Hey, Fred, just curious. What is a budget? Curious Teams is a podcast for design, construction, and owner teams. Welcome to Curious Teams. I'm Fred Gutierrez. And I'm Barbara White Bryson. And we're here to make the design, construction, and owner environments a better place. And today, we're going to talk about budget. It's going to start a little bit by doing a little word association with each other. So roll the tape. So if I say the word budget to you, what pops into your head? Well, for me, it's, it's a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's many, many, many numbers. It's not one. It's broken down into 100 to 200 smaller numbers. If I say the word contingency to you. You know, for me, contingency, it's not, you know, we've had a whole conversation on contingencies, but to be honest, what immediately pops in is it's not relevant when I'm thinking about budgets. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of baked into the way I think about budgets because I'm always thinking about what's, what, what do we not know? Ooh. And I'll put a contingency on every number independent. And that's just the way I operate. So you do actually, you actually think about it as risk. Yeah. I see it as risk. Yeah. It is risk. Yeah. How about value engineering? Oh God, that used to be such a catchphrase. You know what? I think, I think value engineering is a good way. You know, what happened, what happened when, when we would do value engineering as, and this is came from a CM, you know, relationship. It's when you're bringing onboarding a builder and you're asking them for their take on how can we do this project. And usually it's in the caveat that the budget came out too large. So they're trying to relay other options that might reduce the budget. So it's not, I don't think it's doing the same job for cheaper. It's getting another take on on solving a problem in a different way. And it's usually too late. Um, was it too late in the project? Yeah, I don't know if it was too late in the projects that I was on because sometimes mm-hmm. it was a cry wolf situation where it wasn't Ooh. really dire that it needed to be value engineered. <laughs> well, that's informative you know? all sometimes by itself. Sometimes everybody wanted to value engineer it just to see if there was anything on the table. Yeah, any fat on the bone or... Yeah, any meat on the bone, yeah. Okay, so when you hear the phrase, when you hear the phrase over budget, how do you, what do you think? You know, it depends on when you hear that word. (laughs) If you hear it early in the project, it's not a problem. If you hear it at the end of the project, it's like, well, who wasn't looking? So um, it's it's, it's kind of matter of fact for me. (laughs) It's not a good thing to hear, but it's, it's relevant information. So alternatively, what about under budget? Well, I mean, the question is why. Interesting. Good. Yeah. You know, what, what, did, what did we miss? I mean, it, it, it gets to, it gets to a, you know, poor planning. Or, or there's a celebration that something just went on sale and you just got lucky. But mm-hmm. um, usually, it's like, usually you have to ask why. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're working with a really strong team that knows what they're doing and something came in, you know, largely under budget... Um, 
something was missed there or something's something or you're or you're opening yourself up to a lot of risk but if you're you know you're talking five percent for a full project then it's just time to celebrate and one last one project value versus budget oh yeah no this i mean we're not in a commodity industry where everything you know we're not selling um what was it trading trading places they were selling uh pork futures and uh that's not construction construction you're you're buying you're buying a story <laughs> um you're creating a story you're creating a, a legacy of something and you're hiring people to contribute to that and people have different values um the way they work the things they contribute aren't apples to apples so finding how you want to create value in a project is very important to understanding you know what you're building so what else do you think we should be talking about when we're talking about budget? You know, it's best when it's used as a tool. It's best when you can be completely transparent with it. And that comes from both the owner and and the builders. You know, that includes the, the trade partners, the subcontractors. If you can get that transparency, it's, it's more to allow people to understand how uh-huh. they're valuing the project. Uh, less about you know how much people are making, and that's not that's not the importance of transparency. The transparency is understanding the value or creating you know a value that fits into the the project value. Yeah, honestly, I don't think budget tools work unless they're transparent, because then people are operating on different information. All right, so Barbara, budget. What's your what's your warm thought? <laughs> So I have lots of warm thoughts about budget. I think budgets can be great tools uh, that can help make everyone on a project successful. If it's a well-built budget, a well-understood budget, and a thoughtful budget. What's the difference between a budget and a bid or an estimate? Or maybe there's three, three definitions there. I believe a budget is where you start, and it is the guiding financial tool throughout the project before bids are taken. What you would want to do is to compare Mm. the bid to the budget, compare the pricing process to the budget so that you always understand where you stand versus what your budget goals were. What happens if you don't have the experience to create a budget? I mean, oftentimes I think owners look towards either the architect or the builder to help establish what a real budget is. And I think that that's a, a very appropriate, excellent idea. Very few owners have any idea whatsoever about current market conditions, current market costs, uh, and current uh, labor constraints, things like that. So I think it's imperative that even the earliest budgets be fully informed. I think that many of board have been disappointed by asking for their internal experts as well as external experts for, oh, give me a um, a square, you know, a cost per square foot that I can use in order to figure this out. That rarely helps. So I've always practiced something called a pre-design, and a pre-design is what we use to set the budget. Okay. Let's jump on a couple other words. Talk about contingency. 
So like you, Fred, I think contingency must be used as a representation of risk left in a project. And by using it that way, rather than as an additional spending account, you can calculate exactly where you stand compared to the budget at any moment in the project. Talk about value engineering. <laughs> that was supposed to be a, you know, a hate sound. <laughs> value engineering to me has always been a negative phrase. Uh, because value engineering is something that comes later when you when it would have been much better to have uh, collaborated on where you stand on related to the budget every single week, every single day, so that you're not surprised by an overage that needs to be managed. Value engineering often is um, a sacrifice of goals. Uh, and it is less informed than decisions made during the process. And finally, it tends to give lower value for the cost that you're putting into the project, um, ironically, uh, than it would have been if you had made great decisions, informed decisions along the way. Is that why you have to value the engineering? <laughs> you certainly that's need a, to value your engineering <laughs> <laughs> and your designers and your contractors all the way along the way. But that's that's pretty good. Okay, the next one. What 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 jumps to mind when you hear the words over budget? When I hear the words over budget, I am hopefully hearing that in the moment. In the moment that a price is changed, in the moment that a decision is made, so that in that same moment or meeting, you can make uh, decisions about how to get back into budget. If you wait as a project team to only get budget feedback or pricing feedback until major milestones, over budget is a very scary thing. Because similar to value engineering, you're going to lose value on the project. So I'm going to guess your thoughts on the words under budget might be similar, but how might they be different? Well, under budget, hopefully, is, again, information that you get in the moment so that you can use that information for the highest and best use of the funds. It may be that the board will require you to return any funds back to the institution or company or entity, uh, but then again, you might be able to invest in something within the project that could pro provide great benefit. But it's only useful if you know it ahead of time, you know, it, during the process. Right. And the last idea, project value. I think about project value as not only being able to get the most for your money, but to get as close to your desired need within the project for a, um, for a monetary value, value that matches the benefits that you're gaining. Another way of thinking about project value is that in collaborative environments, you can measure added value provided by decisions within collaborative environments. And when you compare that 
to the risk and often the losses associated with um, decisions that are made or risks that are taken within a non-collaborative environment, an opaque environment, you can see tangibly that there's a greater opportunity for value in a collaborative environment versus a non-collaborative environment. Well, Barbara, it's interesting to see how we've reacted to those those word prompts. I think we're similar in a lot of ways. Um, let's just talk about budget in general as a conversation. Where would you like to start? Well, one of the most interesting aspects of budget and our relationship to budget as team members is that we often uh, look around the table and different members of the team have different attitudes towards whether a budget is um, important, whether a budget should be complied with, uh, whether a budget can be used as a design constraint. Um, I have worked, unfortunately, with some architects, very few, but some architects that believe that a budget is there to be overcome, not a, not something that could help guide them and all the rest of the team to make great decisions. I have a, a dear friend, I mentioned this before, a dear friend, uh, um, Carlos Jimenez, who has said to, who said to me years ago that great design and low budget are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think that, uh, you know, architects work in different ways and they have different, different client types that they work with. I've, I've experienced a situation where, you know, an architect is challenged with trying to, you know, work with an owner that's maybe a first time owner. And th this happens probably more in residential than it does in, well, I, I'm sure it happens in, in all types of projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But an owner sometimes just doesn't have the sense of what they need to invest to get what they think they want. So there's a period of time where, where an architect may be the only you know partner in the project, and maybe maybe vetting the owner in terms of trying to understand where their values lie, um, you know where where the budget should be as a starting point. Um, so that they can achieve the values they want. Some some owners I've run into in residential, budget, quite honestly, isn't isn't a driver. And I think it's an important tool to help plan a project, regardless of an infinite amount of money. Um, it just helps you know coordinate conversations and set expectations. But if you have an owner that doesn't um, respect the budget and understand its relationship to the values they want, it can be challenging. Sure it can. However, I'll, I will note that almost all businesses, institutions, public entities, um, when they set budgets, they're driven by business plans. Sure. They're driven by expected revenues. They're driven by expected ability to um, raise donations. Uh, they're driven by a, a reality that makes a a budget overage a very difficult thing to swallow. Oh, sure. And which has been, it, especially recently, very, very yeah. hard. 
because projects that take years to design and build are now ex experiencing market pressures that have been very hard and very difficult. Yeah, and even where there's a, you know, I've run into this in residential, even where there's a client that relatively has, you know, enough money for overages, it's it's unfortunate when that over budget, you know, phrase comes out way past um, the events uh, at hand. So understanding their mm -hmm. relationship to budget in a timely manner is a way to maintain that value because the value in a lot of the residential work is based on relationship and the story of making something that's very special and unique. And it can get really complicated when that trust is broken by budgets being disclosed after the fact, even though they can be paid for. This is part of, again, we, we tend to be a bit of a broken record here <laughs> of making sure that we have the right conversations at the very beginning of the project. Right. So that it, the entire team understands what importance the budget holds to the owner early on and how important it is at that point to meet the budget goals and what the what the impact would be if we the if the team does not meet those budget goals. Yeah, I, 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 in me asking you the word association and we started the button budget, I realized that we both had, I, I think we both have, budget can be defined differently at different points in the project uh, in different ways. And I think when you started to define budget, it came out at it as much more early state than I was thinking about budget. Um, because when I was thinking about budget, I've already broken it down, and, and I think I said this in my word association, into like 200 lines, into very subset, you know, fragments of something. But, you know, budgets can be large, you know, larger numbers that don't really have that break, that division in it yet. And that's the challenge of the team is to see how do you break that out in, in, in the most most reasonable way. There's a difference between having a working number and a budget that produces, that you can use as a guidepost for the project. So your working number is that set of numbers that, that people have thrown out based on, you know, what revenues may be generated, what funds could be raised, an idea of what the owner believes is an appropriate number for a project or a certain scope. But that's just a working number. And you cannot count on that number. It's not until you have defined a scope, have defined a square footage, de defined key elements of the project, that you can then create a budget breakdown, as you described, and then you can move forward using that budget as your comparison, as your guidepost for the project. Right. Yeah, there are a couple of things that, that came up, you know, thinking about what we talked about in this episode, you know, just to get to this point. And what's interesting is the definition of these terms is, is not universal. And that's kind of tragic for an industry that's you know got so much um, 
so much responsibility on their shoulders. And I, you know, I, 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 I had this professor at, at MIT, Morris Smith, that, that created, everybody thought he was a little crazy, but he, he was truly, I think he was a genius. Um, and he, he created this, uh, kind of body of work called form language because he felt that architects, um, weren't saying the same things in describing, um, form. So he's, he basically started to identify, you know, different types of form and so that people could communicate um, about that. And I'm just thinking that in our industry that some of these terms um, are different for each other. And when these teams get together, they just make some assumptions. And I'm, just, I'm generalizing a bit, but I, I think it's interesting to have this conversation about this because, you know, we're both experienced, but we're coming at these terms slightly different. And I think the major difference that we're coming at, and I, I don't think it's a problem, but it's nice to clarify, you're working with budgets often before I start working with budgets because you're working with an owner and an architect very early. And I think you're creating this idea of, I don't remember the terms you use, but it's a budget before, we're a working number budget and it's really relying on an architect's participation with identifying cost. And tragically, the profession has really separated themselves from any kind of liability on on cost. Talk about that a little bit and how that how how that how you react to that. So in no case do we start relying with a reliance on an architect to develop estimates. Um, because as you just mentioned, architects are not now trained to do estimates. Uh, the working number is more likely in the business arena, in the institutional arena, to be developed through what may be available revenues or available fundraising with a general understanding of what the scope would be. And it's not until you get the team together, which would include architect, project management, contractor, um, and major subs, and you define your scope and your big pieces of the project that you really create a budget that you can rely on. And this is, okay, so in your situation, the, the, the builders are coming on um, negotiated. They're coming, the builders are coming on in what they, we call a, a, a pre-construction phase. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're providing, they've been hired for the project right. um, conceptually. Right. But at that point, it's their job to lose based on yep. how well they have performed during pre-construction. Sure. So they have a vested interest in providing great information. Right. So I, I don't know that it's very different. It's it's just that not, um, I yeah. think that in residential um, that it takes it. You may be developing that financial budget that breakdown a little later in the process. Yeah. No. no it's it's. Um, I guess what it's getting getting at um, is that it's just changing. It's it. You know, to do to do to to talk about budget the way we're talking about budget is 
is really using it as a tool during the conception of the project. And when people think about other delivery methods for projects that might be more like um, a design bid build, um, you know, stipulated some kind of approach where something's designed, the budget um, maybe isn't as useful of a tool. It might have a different perspective on it. Wow, that's that's an interesting thought. I even in a design bid build environment, you have to mm-hmm. as a on the for an institution, for a business, for a hospital, um, you have to have a clear understanding of what you need versus what you you have um, to pay for it, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Most of of my colleagues have to go to boards for approval to for scope budget schedule, mm-hmm. and then they are relied upon to deliver on that because it's so closely tied to the business of the institution. It's um, and so even if they have been told that it's going to be a bid situation. They're going to, it's very problematic because it's very opaque. You're not having clear conversations with sources that are responsible for delivering that. Um, And you have to just rely on bid day being favorable to you. And it might or it might not, but it's an enormous risk. Yeah, it's who controls the risk. Yeah. I agree with you, though, um, 100% that it's so important to talk about these terms and create clear definitions. When I say budget, I have a template that has, you know, 50 or 60 placeholders in it to remind me, okay, let's break out furniture, let's break out general conditions, making sure that we are covering Mm -hmm. every aspect of the project. That's often not what uh, homeowners start with when they're working through it. But the more detail you have, the better tool it is. You remember when I asked you about budget, then I said the difference between a budget and bid and estimate. I think that was where I was recognizing that your budget was much more um, conceptual. And I don't say that in a bad way. I say that in a very good way. I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but you know, with bids and estimates, that's where we're starting to get granular in testing a budget. Those are the tools that test it. And that's how you answered it. So um, I'm just reflecting back on on why I had those questions, because it's that testing of a budget as the tool for doing it that, that brings out kind of the clarity of reducing the risk and also, you know, raising those questions of over budget, under budget, and how to respond to them. So um, I'm just reflecting on that. Yeah, and it also helps you understand where the problems are developing in the budget and and where opportunities for reduction can occur. The sooner the better. So the more detail you have, if you get an estimate for the curtain wall early on on an office building project and it is $5 a square foot higher than you thought it was going to be, you can immediately run those numbers. You can jump in and say, okay, we either have to redesign the curtain wall or we're going to have to find somewhere else in the budget to save money so we can get the curtain wall that, that is currently designed. 
those are things that you can do comparing estimates and bids to the budget to understand how well you're performing right. to your goals. Right. It's a balancing act of trying to test those before the design has gotten so far along that it costs you a significant burden to redesign an engineer. In fact, that's so true. In fact, estimators, great estimators are really hard to find within construction companies Mm-hmm. Today, uh, my experience was that 20 years ago, we had some incredible estimators that could give you a read on your curtain wall design before it is fully detailed, before it's fully designed and integrated into the design. But now, because buildings are increasingly complex and because we're having a real problem with keeping professionals within companies Mm -hmm. and within cultures Mm -hmm. for very long, I think that the chances of getting a great estimate out of anywhere, and I'll tell you, I, I, myself, I do not believe in independent estimators. I think contractors who are motivated have a much better sense of what's happening in the market. And I, I have been repeatedly in my early life disappointed by estimators that are independent. Right. But I think that if contractors could do anything to improve their services to clients, mm-hmm. it would be to train and keep yeah. great estimators. Yeah. A great estimator can be a lot of value for a project. Tons. Yeah. <sighs> Tons. Tons. One thing that I wanted to make sure that we included in this episode was a brief conversation about target value design. Uh, Target value design is a way that a team can work together to control a budget or control costs on a project by not only setting a budget, but also setting a target for savings on that budget. So the three critical elements of target value design Uh, is number one, defining client value, making sure that you understand exactly what the client's needs are. I'm not saying whether the client prefers gold-plated X or Y, but what is it that they really need in order to be successful on a project? It may be that they want to hit sustainability goals. It may be that they have to have 500 beds in the hospital Whatever that is, you need to deeply understand all the layers of that. Mm -hmm. Second uh, is setting the target cost. So once a budget is defined, is to uh, set a target that everybody is going to work together during the project to try to meet. And that's often 15 to 20% lower than the budget. And that is possible through team work, collaboration, and identifying money-saving opportunities. It could be within systems. It could be within materials. There's all sorts of opportunities. And placing those opportunities in front of the team to determine whether or not you're still going to meet the client needs by making this change, or whether it really is going to save the money that is proposed or not. So, That's one way of thinking about that. The third thing is rapid, continuous estimating. We just mentioned this a moment ago about how do you get this information so that you can use the budget effectively. 
And that means that you have got to have members of your team that are willing to say, hey, wait a minute, you just added 50 additional valves, that's going to cost you X. Uh, We can reduce that number of valves and we can change the system's design and get back into budget. But that ha- you have to be doing that mm-hmm. knowledgeably with cost in mind. So rapid continuous estimating is what they call it in the TVD world. Uh, and I, I embrace those ideas very, very much. Yeah, that's amazing when that can happen. It's, it's not all projects that can afford that, though. Well, maybe there's a lot of projects that they cannot not afford it and you just don't realize it. I, I guess the, the question is to a lot of um, owners is, what would they expect to pay for that service? It's it's not really a separate service. It's just part of the the teamwork. But yes, if there is yeah. a bonus for, you know, if you save me 15%, perhaps there's a 5% bonus in there mm-hmm. that could be spread around. That could be part of an agreement or a conversation. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not looking to incentivize it. But, I, you know, I've got a, a client now that I'm working with, and this is a commercial job. You know, it's about a million dollars, and we have a pre-con with a builder, and I just know that they see those costs because we're we're using them for some rapid estimations to see where we're at. But when they see those costs, I can feel it from them that they don't value us as, as much as I value it. They, they they see it as, well, isn't this builder, you know, they're going to get the job. Shouldn't they be making the money on the job? Um, and not, you know, doing this estimating, you know, there's that sense sometimes. Yeah. And I think all owners, I'm sp- yeah. talking out there to all owners, you need yeah. to understand that in order to be successful in a project, you've got to be willing to make sure everybody's successful. And that means that you pay people what they're worth. Yes. You know, when you hire a contractor for pre-construction services, they are taking it because they hope to get the project, but you need to make sure that you are paying them fairly for those services during pre-construction. It's incredibly important to make sure that you're not putting them way out on a limb. And then you frivolously, and some owners have done this, frivolously decide, well, you don't get the job after all, uh, even though you've done a good job, then they're really hanging out there. Right. Or they get the work, but they're operating in a deficit, so they have to make up some money. Yes. And, you know, they've got to hide it somewhere, or they feel compelled to, you know, it it, it puts them in a bad situation. Puts everybody in a bad situation. Exactly. That's a really good point. Yep. So I, you know, I think you and I believe that budgets are our friend (laughs) in designing construction. And that if designers, if the project team thinks about it as an additional constraint that can help you be successful, that it can be a very positive experience for everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think budgets shouldn't be these secret conversations that are happening only with the high ups or a select group of people. I think they should be very public to the team used as a tool to convey where the shared risk is on projects um, and also where where we can relax and feel comfortable that, you know, we're doing our job and 
and and moving along. So they're a lot like a schedule. I mean, they, they they look different at different parts of the project. They should be a lot more visual than some are. You know, it, it's great when you can put colors to them and understand. You know where. I used to do that in, in, in my budgets. I would highlight uh, green, yellow, red. So green was bought out. It would be committed costs that, that were under control. Yellow would be things that were maybe not committed, but but we felt like the, the risk was low. And then reds were the ones that, you know, there's a high risk on it and that everybody could draw themselves to those and know these are the ones we need to really think clearly about. Absolutely agreed. Well, thank you for joining us for this budget discussion. We'd love to hear from you if you have any other ideas. Budgets are our friend. I love it. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us at Curious Teams. This is Barbara White Bryson. And this is Fred Gutierrez, and now you go make the design, construction, and owner environment a better place. Find us at CuriousTeams.com, where we hope you share your comments and ideas. Look forward to upcoming episodes that answer questions that you've sent us on our website. And please subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. It helps us find more people like you, and it never hurts to do a five-star review.